Well, hello, friends. It is uh, Thursday morning, actually. Usually I'm doing this in the afternoon, but today there were some schedule conflicts this afternoon. So thanks for hanging in there with me. If you're watching this uh, Thursday afternoon at 4 p.m. think or at 3 p.m. Central Time, thinking that it's live, it's not. It's Memorex. Um, and, you know, raise your hand if you remember that. I remember that. Um, at any rate, uh, happy Thanksgiving. Next week, we will have this study on Tuesday afternoon, this coming Tuesday. Actually, that will be the final one in this psalm study. So we'll close it out, do a little bit of summarizing, read through some of the psalms that we've looked at and, uh, and wish everyone well. Um, and then we won't be doing this Tuesday, Thursday study uh, in December, but we'll start up with something new in January. But we do have it uh, going on today, and we do have it going on on Tuesday, and I hope that you'll hang in there with me on that. Uh, today's lesson is looking ahead to Thanksgiving, and I've entitled it Joyful Thanksgiving, because as you look at the Psalms, there is a lot of wonderful songs of praise and thanksgiving uh, offered up to God. We could look at a lot of Psalms today, uh, but I, I believe that I have three that are great uh, that uh, we can use today. And uh, and we'll look we'll look forward to that. Uh, so one week from today, Thanksgiving, even in 2020, is there is there anything to be thankful for in 2020? Of course there is. Uh, for the child of God, even 2020 has its great blessings. Uh, this um, uh, coming uh, uh, Sunday, actually the Sunday following Thanksgiving, I'm going to be preaching uh, an interesting Thanksgiving sermon. I hope a little bit different. Uh, because it will uh, it will be centered on uh, James chapter one in that great passage that says, uh, "Be thankful, in fact, joyful even uh, when you suffer difficulties, because uh, they have a, a very important role to play uh, in the spiritual development uh, of your life and your relationship with God." So I'm looking forward to that sermon a week from this Sunday. This coming Sunday, we'll be looking at uh, how important our biblical worship is before God, our day-to-day -day lives, but also that important, unique uh, opportunity to gather with God's people in worship on Sunday. Um, and so those are a couple of things coming up. But for right now, we're looking at joyful Thanksgiving and looking at a few great psalms uh, that bring that out. We have uh, wonderful joy in many ways, uh, even in 2020, even in times of difficulty. We feel the presence of God. We've experienced his deliverance in the past, and we know we know that he can be trusted uh, to deliver us again. Um, think of all the great songs that we sing that have to do with joyful thanksgiving. Um, we'll be singing a, a few of these on the 29th as we gather together in worship on Thanksgiving weekend. Songs like When Upon Life's Billows, the, the, sir, the other name for that is Count Your Many Blessings, Name Them One by One. He Has Made Me Glad, uh, a great song taken right out of uh, Psalm 100. Uh, thank you, Lord. We have two versions of that. For all that you've done, I will thank you. You know that one. But also a more familiar one to me anyway. Thank you, Lord, for loving me. And thank you, Lord, for blessing me. That one I remember singing in the youth group days in the 70s. Um, Blessed Assurance, a wonderful song of faith and thanksgiving and praise. Uh, sing and be happy, of course. And um, another youth 
youth group song from back in the day for Bill and Joyce. And then, of course, give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. That's a great, great, wonderful, short song of blessing and thanksgiving and so many others that you would probably think of and could add to that list as well. Um, and so a question or two this morning before we get into the first of these three psalms. Um, if someone that I, if I were talking to someone that's close to you that knows you pretty well, uh, would they say that they knew that you were a Christian and and that and and whether they did or not, would they say that um, that you're a person who has a great sense of gratitude and a great sense of joy and and even optimism displayed in your life? Not the kind of optimism that denies the reality of difficulties. We're certainly seeing that and having to adjust to that this year, but the kind of optimism that acknowledges the difficulties and yet in the midst of those difficulties is willing to say, yeah, but you know, I I understand that uh, this is a difficult time for everyone and, and that the suffering is real, but I also understand that God uh, is going to see us through this. Um, I may not understand it all, but I know that he's with us right now. Um, would that, would a person describe you that way? Uh, or, or would they describe you maybe more of a cynic, more of a pessimist, more of somebody that um, has trouble uh, in some of these areas? Well, this is I think this is an important topic, and I think it's especially important this year when there are a lot of these struggles around. And what the world needs, I believe, and when I say the world, I mean, first of all, the world around you, the people that you live with, the people you go to church with, the people you work with or go to school with, your friends, uh, your neighbors, your family members that know you and are close to you and have interactions with you, uh, including fellow church members. Do they find in you a sense of, of calm, a sense of peace, uh, a sense of optimism and joy? Um, and, and if they do, I have a feeling it's because those things in your life are not based on the circumstances of the day, but rather those things in your life are based on the presence of God in your life, of, of Jesus uh, in your heart uh, through his Holy Spirit. And, and so I think the key to the attitude of joy and optimism may be gratitude. It's certainly the key to contentment, being content, appreciating the things that you have is um, a major response and a major uh, effect of, of gratitude and thanksgiving. The psalmists understood that even though they suffered a lot at times, they still were able to call out to God in praise and in prayer. And so much of our songbooks have to do with songs of praise and thanksgiving and gratitude. And in the same way, the book of Psalms, the songbook, the prayer book of the Old Testament Jews uh, had many psalms of thanksgiving and praise. And one of the three that we're going to look at today, the last of the three, uh, is a psalm that has a pretty extensive number of verses. And yet that psalm, Psalm 103, never asks for a single thing. It simply gives God praise. But let's get a couple of these first. First of all, Psalm 16, 1, 6. Psalm 16. This psalm is divided up into two parts uh, where the psalmist's faithfulness and the Lord's deliverance is acknowledged uh, in the first part of the psalm. And then the psalmist just kind of erupts in grateful joy and praise 
uh, to the God who does not abandon him and who will not abandon him, even in death. And a very important statement is made in this Psalm, Psalm 16, uh, that New Testament speakers and writers will remember and will acknowledge uh, in being fulfilled in the person of Jesus. Um, and so, first of all, the psalmist's faithfulness in the Lord's deliverance, Psalm 16, verses 1 through 8. Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. What a great statement. Apart from you, Lord, I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. The psalmist worships only the one true and living God. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. Verse 7, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Uh, the psalmist says, I'm, 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 I'm going to follow God. I'm going to trust in him. He's going to deliver me. He always has. He always will. And I'm going to rest and trust and hope in that. And I'm not going to turn to other gods. I'm not going to turn to anything else. Um, but I'm going to turn to the Lord. And then the last few verses of the psalm, uh, really, uh, the psalmist gives great praise to God. Psalm 16, beginning at verse 9. Therefore, because of all of these things that he's just said, therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. You will not abandon my soul in the grave, in death, in Hades, nor will you allow my flesh to see corruption. That part, that verse 10 sounds familiar, doesn't it? Of course it does. And we remember that statement because New Testament speakers used it. Luke records it twice in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 2, during Peter's sermon on Pentecost, and in Acts chapter 13, during Paul's first recorded sermon uh, in uh, Antioch of Pisidia with a primarily Jewish audience uh, in the synagogue. For both, they are connecting Jesus with the words of David. They are connecting both with the words that say, you will not abandon my soul. You will not let my body see corruption. And of course, the main point is, that wasn't true of David. That wasn't true of this psalmist. This psalmist died a thousand years before Christ um, and, of course, attributed to David. And the inspired writers and speakers in the New Testament acknowledge that. David lived um, 900, a thousand years before Jesus did. And his body, his tomb, as, uh, as the Peter and Paul would say, his tomb is with us to this day. Um, his body wasn't raised from the dead, but Jesus was uh, the body of Christ. Paul says in Romans chapter one, Jesus was declared with power to be the son of God through the resurrection of the dead of his body. He said that it was going to happen. The, the Jewish leaders knew he had said it. They had an extra Roman guard there, armed guard with the governors, with the emperor's seal over the stone that had been rolled in front of the tomb. And yet. Jesus' body was not there, was not there. 
uh, this psalm acknowledges the great praise and, and faithfulness of the psalmist of King David to the Lord God and then offers up a great hymn of praise at the end that says, Lord, you're not going to forsake me here. For King David and for us, that'll one day mean resurrection. But for Peter and for Paul and for Luke, as he records it in the book of Acts, uh, it was an acknowledgement that Jesus' resurrection is real and that his body was raised from the dead and that he is the living Lord. Um, great, great psalm of thanksgiving and praise uh, to the God who is very much alive. Um, next, let's turn to Psalm 27. This psalm starts out with some very familiar words, I think. Uh, a lot of people have taken great refuge in these words. Uh, in Psalm 27, the psalmist is threatened and has every reason to be afraid, yet he has no fear. Because the Lord is his light and his salvation. That gives you a tip off of the familiar part. His guide and his deliverer. Um, and two strains of this song, we might say two verses. The song has two verses. The psalmist cries out to God for help and expressed a grateful song of praise and confidence that his call would be answered. So first, this call for help in Psalm 27, beginning at verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask from the Lord, verse 4, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. And we're reminded of the great words of King David. This one attributed to David in the headings um, uh, in the 23rd Psalm of how he will live in the presence of the Lord. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David understood what a great blessing it was to be in the presence of the Lord. And, and in this Psalm, in Psalm 27, he acknowledges that as well, but also acknowledges that it's the presence of the Lord that causes him to, to not be afraid. Even though he's being threatened, uh, still he says, my trust and my hope is in the Lord. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? What a great statement. Psalm 27 verse 1 might be one of those you may want to mark or put on your mirror or remember every day um, as you trust in the Lord. And then verse 6, then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. David promises that he will worship the Lord, just as he did in Psalm 51 and in Psalm 32 and in other places, as he pours out his heart to God, seeking forgiveness, seeking restoration, seeking deliverance, and promising that I'm, I'm going to be your man, God. I'm going to be your servant. Uh, I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. Um, and what a great statement that is. And then in the rest of the psalm, we read uh, this cry from the psalmist of grateful praise uh, to the Lord, seeking, um, seeking his mercy and his grace, but also giving him praise and calling others to join him in that praise. Psalm 27, beginning at verse 7. Hear my voice when I call, Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. 
your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, God my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to the desire of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me, spouting malicious accusations. Certainly was true of King David. At times, it's certainly true probably in your life and, and in mine. At times, as we look back over those times when our lives were difficult and, and when people tried to make that, our lives difficult. And yet with the psalmist, with King David, uh, we say uh, we look to God during those times. And as the psalm continues and, and, uh, and finishes, King David says, uh, the Lord will be there for you, even in the dif difficult days. So hang in there with him and wait for him. Psalm 27, verses 13 and 14. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. As he begins with that great statement of trust and faith in, in God, uh, this David ends uh, with the call to hang on to that faith, hang on to that trust. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. One last Psalm today, and it's Psalm 103. Uh, and it's got 22 verses. It's a little bit longer than some of the others that we've looked at. And again, the amazing thing about this psalm is that the psalmist praises God, doesn't ask for a single thing, just offers up praise uh, to God who had been so good to him already and who he trusted uh, for the remainder of his life. Uh, this psalm is also can be divided up into three areas. The psalmist is grateful for his own blessings. The psalmist is grateful for the blessings of God on his people. And then thirdly, the psalmist acknowledges God's blessings on all creation. Um, a great, great psalm to remember, especially during this Thanksgiving season. How long has it been since you prayed a prayer to God and did not ask for a single thing? That's what Psalm 103 is. It's a prayer of praise to God, simply praise to God, thanking him for his blessing uh, praising him as the one who uh, is worthy of our blessings and our praise um, and and leaving it there. Uh, there's a time, I think, when we are in urgent situations. And of course, pray to God for deliverance. Pray to God for blessing. Ask him to see you through and, and make that as specific as you want. But remember, just add in that caveat that Jesus did. Thy will be done. I'll go with whatever you want, Lord. But this psalm is not that prayer. This psalm is not a prayer that seeks God's blessing, is a prayer that seeks God's deliverance or healing. We've seen all of those that seek his provision and care. We've, we've seen those. This psalm is not a psalm like that. This psalm is strictly a song of praise. It's a song that praises God. And it begins with a very familiar statement. In Psalm 103, verse 1, praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. You might remember the song, a very short song of praise. Bless the Lord, all my soul, 
Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Let all that is within me bless his holy name. Taken right out of this psalm, different translation, but right out of this psalm. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being praise his holy name. Remember, this part is the psalmist praising God for his own personal blessings. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. These are things that we each individually share and have experienced, and the psalmist praises God for those. Next, he praises God for the blessings on God's people, beginning in verse 6 of Psalm 103. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. We hear that statement several times in Scripture. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. This section in verses 6 through 12 are a great song of praise to God for his forgiveness of his people and his blessing and presence with his people. And what a wonderful, beautiful, poetic way of, of talking about God's forgiveness. Uh, as high as the heavens are above the earth, verse 11, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Wonderful way of announcing and acknowledging God's forgiving and loving presence and hand upon his people, upon all of those who name the name of God. Um, and then the last part, God, uh, the psalmist is grateful for God's blessings on all of creation. Again, we've seen this in a lot of psalms as well, such as that wonderful Psalm 148. Psalm 103, beginning in verse 13. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone, but its place remembers it no more. New Testament writers remember statements similar to that as well. Uh, we read similar things in the book of James and 1 Peter and in other places, acknowledging the, the brief mist <laughs> that our lives really are uh, that shine for a while. You see them in the morning and then the sun comes out and burns it all away. And that's kind of how our lives are in the, in the great grand scheme of things uh, related to e e not just eternity, but even just to the existence of mankind. Uh, our lives are but a vapor, a mist, a breath. Uh, and then they're gone. The life of mortals is like grass. It flourishes like the grass of the field, like a good flower that you know its, it's time is, is coming and it will be up soon. Our lives are that way. The psalmist acknowledges that uh, and he realizes that. But, verse 17, in contrast to our lives here on this earth, Verse 17 of Psalm 103, but from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him 
and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. The psalm ends as it begins, calling upon everyone and starting with me, starting with my soul, my heart, my mind, my life to bless the Lord, to praise the Lord, O oh my soul. Let everything that is within me bless his holy name. I hope this Thanksgiving that you'll remember these Psalms, Psalm 16, Psalm 27, and maybe especially Psalm 103. It's been a rough year. 2020 has been a difficult year, and, and it's okay to pray for God's deliverance. I pray every day that God would bring us deliverance from this pandemic, that he would bless our nation and that's in such turmoil that his will would be done in our lives, not just now, but in the future. And I know and acknowledge that God's blessing is there. And that's and it's okay to pray for those things. Pray for your family. Pray for our country. Pray for your church and your church leaders. I do those things every single day. But this psalm, this psalm is different. This psalm acknowledges God's God is worthy of our praise. And it calls on us, it calls on God's people, it calls on all of creation to praise the Lord simply for who he is, not asking for a single thing, not expecting anything from the Lord, but acknowledging what he has already done and what he has already given, acknowledging that he alone is worthy of our praise and our blessing, praising God for the blessings he gives to me personally, Praising God for the blessings he gives to his people, to all who seek his forgiveness and praising God, uh, joining in all of creation, angels, created things, everything, uh, joining to bless the Lord, O oh, my soul. Let all that is within me bless his holy name. I hope this Thanksgiving that you will remember the words of the psalmist and that you too will praise and bless the holy name of God. May God bless you through these next days.